I was in Dallas last week and traveling on the way back. Uh, I was reading an article in the New York Times about the a zoo in London. Seems a bit random, but a zoo in London was had this experiment going on where they had this endangered tiger. And they finally found uh, a mate for this tiger to basically save this species of tigers. They were excited about it, and they had planned it and prepared it, and, and the, the, the female was there for weeks. They were trying to get... They had a glass cage so they could see one another. And, uh, and one day, the, the zookeepers thought they were ready to be able to be in the same habitat. And sadly, they, they put them in the same habitat, and the male tiger killed the, the female tiger. And so it was this dramatic and, and sad event at the, at the London Zoo, and, and people were scandalized by it and discouraged by it. And, and uh, so the New York Times wrote an article about it. Um, it's funny. I laughed too. I think I thought it, it's not funny, but it, it is one of those things where like people, yeah, it is important. This tiger is an, is an endangered species. And they tried and they failed. But I, again, like on, on the surface, I read that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. But I, I went on the plane and the, the week later, I was, I was trying to figure out that's that. Why was this sitting with me? And it was this. At that time, too, the daily readings were the book of Genesis. It's God creating the world, God creating the animals. That is a far cry from, from God creating animals and to be in in harmony with one another, to be in union with one another. But here's the thing. What do we do when we get threatened? What do we do when we get threatened? Well, today, mothers are threatened. By what? By the children in their womb. So what do they do? Have an abortion. It's not a far cry, because well, what sin does to us, what, what struggle does to us, what the world does to us, is it divides us. And so, therefore, everybody is a threat. Everybody is a threat. And we can have an own, our own personal examination. We're driving around the road, and other, other drivers are threats. Or honking and yelling, and maybe just in New York. <laughs> I'm totally a New York City driver, by the way. I came back in and honked at somebody, and my sister was like, We don't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> but we're threats to one another. Everything's a competition, everything is trying to get the upper hand. See, the gospel is the opposite of that. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the sorrowing. Blessed are the meek. Jesus gives us this different way of thinking. This different way of experiencing the world. And the, ch the challenge is, is that we, most of the time, take the gospel as just nice words. And, and we get so ingrained, especially in our world today, 
where we we are threatened because we're not only Catholics, we're also Republicans or we're also Democrats. We're not only Catholics, but yeah, I'm a member of this family and it's a little complicated. I'm not only Catholic, but yeah, my, I'm, I'm married and it's a little challenging. I'm not only Catholic, but I work for this company and we're divided. And therefore, there's no harmony, there's no relationship, and therefore our hearts are, are here with the Lord and then we have to go here and it's difficult and it's here and I can't say anything and it's here. And, and especially when we get to important issues, like, yeah, I, you know, they, I, I vote Republican, but, you know, war and, yeah, because I'm, I'm against abortion and, of course, I'll, I'll do that. But what about social equality? What about issues of poverty? What about issues of, of health care? And so we get kind of drawn into these conversations, which are all important and, and are valid conversations. But when, when we go down that road, we start to build walls and we start to be threatened and we start to, to live in different boxes. And that's this even, this, that comment about politics is not even what this talks about tonight. But every once in a while, the Lord sends saints and he sends people to remind us about the purity of the gospel. The purity of what it means to live in the world and to be a disciple. And this intentionality and this soul-mindedness or soul-heartedness to live the gospel is fruitful in the fact that it sets us free. It's not divisive. It doesn't threaten me. But I'm set free. Another New York saint for you, Dorothy Day. I don't know if anybody has heard of Dorothy Day. She is kind of edgy. She's kind of scandalous, which is my kind of saint. Saints should make us feel uncomfortable. Dorothy Day was born in the late 1800s, and she had an intense dislike of St. Therese initially. She went on to write a book about St. Therese later in her life where she basically described, Dorothy Day would describe her own spirituality as a a continuation of the little way. But she was threatened by St. Therese. She she told St. Therese that it's not that simple. The gospel is more complicated than the way you make it out to be. So she was threatened by her, had a grudge against her for like 30 years, and then wrote a book about it, which is really beautiful. She was, for all intents and purposes, and I'm just going to throw this word out there because the news is talking about there, she was basically a socialist. She was a newspaper journalist. She took up every social cause. This is prior to her conversion. She wasn't born Catholic. She worked at a socialist newspaper. She was a picketer and a protester. She was friends with famous authors and writers. She had numerous scandalous love affairs. She had a failed marriage. She attempted suicide once and had an abortion. 
when she was pregnant again for the second time, she knew that the Catholic Church had a different understanding of life. And this is my concept, so not hers, or not, not hers, but she felt like the church was the only thing that she wasn't threatened by. So she started to ask a priest. She saw a nun on the street, actually. That's what it was. She saw a nun on the street, and she wanted to protect her baby. And she said, what do I do to get my baby baptized? As soon as she got her baby baptized, her boyfriend left her. And that was the beginning of her conversion. She read the Beatitudes and took the Beatitudes, took the Lord at his word, and was frustrated that no one was living, in her experience, no one was living the gospel. She loved to quote G.K. Chesterton when he said, the gospel hasn't really failed. It's really the fact that no one's really tried. The gospel hasn't failed. It's really the fact that no one has really tried. The reason I think Dorothy Day gets a bad rap because she was anti-war, she was anti-abortion, she was anti-big government. She was against everything the church should be against. And so people claimed that she was liberal. And see, uh, turn, uh, labels don't really do much for me, but she went to mass every day, she went to adoration every day, and she prayed and fasted for the Holy Father. It's difficult to put people in boxes, especially saints. Because saints are edgy, because they make us uncomfortable. Because if we really read the gospel, we should be uncomfortable with inequality. We should be uncomfortable with war and violence. Of course, we're uncomfortable with abortion. All the things that she was uncomfortable with, we should be uncomfortable with. But that's not even what my talk is about tonight. I want to propose to you a gospel value that Dorothy Day significantly exhibited. And I think that, again, practically for us, this is what I I want us to think about tonight and pray about tonight. It's my favorite beatitude. And it's funny, I've kind of have this, I've done personal studies on this. I love to give talks on it. I don't know if anybody's ever thought about this word in particular, but my favorite beatitude is blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Now, most people don't have no clue what meek means. People think meek means weak. It's actually not the the case. In short, meek means to be free. The meek one knows who he is, knows where he's at and where he's going, because he knows the one who has called him. The world today has a significant homelessness problem, but more than a physical homelessness, it has a spiritual homelessness. There's wanderers out there. And we even in our own experiences in our own lives get a sense of that homelessness. Oftentimes we might find ourselves fighting this orphan spirit inside of us that feels like we're alone and feels like that we're far away from home. A meek person 
knows where his home is. Knows that they have a home with the Father. And finds safety and security in the home of the Father. Because at, the, at home, I know I'm loved. I know I have, a, I have a space. I know I have a place to come back to. So there's no threat. There's no worry. There's anxiety. I'm at home. Blessed are the meek. The meek believe that the father who says to the prodigal son, all that I have is yours. Therefore, I don't need to go out and demand. I don't need to go out and earn. I don't need to go out and, and steal. Spiritually or figuratively, I don't need to go out and, and manipulate to get my way. The father says, all that I have is yours. The meek person has this ability to trust that the Lord will give me everything that I need. The meek has this ability to... Yeah, not be threatened by others. And to the ability to know that I have a home and then to be able to offer the home to others. To extend an invitation. And that's where Dorothy Day was so beautiful. They, they, she created, her whole life was about, about creating a home for people. Kind of like Catherine Doherty. There was this spirit of gift of hospitality. But the meekness of Dorothy Day realized that she had a home in the church. That she had a home in the grace of God found forgiveness in life there. And so being meek allowed her not to be threatened by the world, but to invite people in. They created the Catholic worker movement, Catholic worker homes and farms, where people could come, the poor could come, the outcasts could come. People could come and find a refuge and find a home. People on a threat. They're my brothers and my sisters, as she would say. See, my brothers and sisters, that being meek is about trusting in an inheritance. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What is this inheritance? I've inherited the gift of my identity, the gift of my destiny. Let me say that again. When we have an inheritance from God the Father, we have inherited a sense of our identity, a radical trust in who we are. And we inherit the gift of a destiny, the gift of heaven, the gift of a home here on earth as we get there, and as we make it there. We are able to rest in this inheritance. We are able to find strength in this inheritance, and then we are able to invite others into it. And that's why she was anti-war. And that's why, obviously, she was anti-abortion. And that's why she looked at people who, who needed help on the street and, and who weren't getting it and who, who didn't have a place to live and didn't have health care and didn't have these people. This is their, what she would say, this is their home. And the gospel says we must love them. And that we invite them into our own home. She spent all her life doing that. And she was an advocate. That government systems and, and programs could serve this home that we all share. As we pray here tonight, and as we come to the end of this day, the beautiful time of adoration with the Lord, what is our posture?
before the Lord? What is our posture before one another? What is our posture before our spouses or our kids or our coworkers or our friends or our families? Are we threatened by life? Are we victims of life? Are we victims? Does life happen to us? Does life crush us? Does life burden us? Or can we experience the grace? And and dare I, I say, do we need to experience a conversion of our own hearts to have this posture change? Or it's okay to be poor and in need. And where an openness and a posture of meekness is not one of weakness and it's not one of getting, getting beaten upon, but it's one of accepting the inheritance that God has given us. Therefore, as we talked about yesterday and today, this ability to trust in the moment, this ability to be little in the hands of God, this ability to know that God in every moment and in every circumstances and all parts of our life is caring for us and revealing himself. And speaking a word into our temptation to feel like we don't have a place and that we don't have a home and that we don't have a place to find rest or refuge. Can we put our struggles and our worries under that banner? Can we experience freedom living in the presence of God in every moment? where we become to accept his power and his love and his grace, and therefore we aren't threatened by anything out there. And this space becomes a refuge. This space becomes life. And this space begins to heal and to convert. And this space becomes a place we invite our families and our friends and our spouses and our kids into. The saints understood that. The saints chose the gospel. The gospel was a priority. The presence of Christ was a priority. And they did their best every day not to be divided. May we experience too this home, this place where we find safety and find rest. We are no longer threatened by the world, threatened by things that want to take our peace, things that want to bind us or take our freedom. The gospel It's God's will for us. It's the blueprint. It's the way. Dorothy Day believed that. And in the midst of her pretty edgy life, uh, her canonization process is moving. What does that mean? That the church has recognized her as someone, someone who was a layperson, who was married, who had children, as someone who radically believed 
in the gospel and radically lived it and witnessed it to her in, in, in her own life. A great example for us not to be live in the world, not to live in a worldly way, but to, to let the gospel be the priority in our own hearts um, and let the gospel set us free. This meekness, this grace to have a home in the Lord and not be threatened by the world, this is what we need. This is the grace we continue to pray for as we look to the saints uh, to remind us of how much we're loved and to remind us of the great capacity we have in our hearts to love.